The Moment of Truth, Café con Roberto. pleasure of interviewing a friend of mine that I met several years ago when I was working in Washington DC. He's the principal of Salta with us and one of the things that I wanted to do during this Hispanic Heritage Month is have a conversation with Latino artists throughout the country and see how they're moving forward especially now during these trying times and get a perspective of their creativity and some of the amazing work that they're doing here. So let's go ahead and have an amazing conversation with Alfonso. Thank you. Bienvenido on joining us at Café with Roberto. And it is an honor to have my friend here. Um, we met several years ago when I was working in Washington, D.C., and I think that we met because of the uh, American Advertising Federation, DC. Best looking Latino in the room. <laughs> <laughs> he knows who I'm talking about. Vice President of- Yeah, I was on the board in charge of diversity. And uh, guess what I see? I see a fellow Latino in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Nobody puts a Latino in the corner, even though he's around. I, I mean, it's crazy. So what I want to do is I want to introduce you, Alfonso, you know, principal of Salta with us. You know, uh, I mean, your amazing journey. Uh, if you can just tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey, uh, and then we're really just going to get into talking about, you know, being a, a, a Latino in today's times and a creative Latino that's very passionate with his work. Um, let's just start. You know, what's your story, man? So this is my story. Uh, first of all, thank you for inviting me. This is awesome. Uh, highlight of my day. Oh, yeah. Café. Café, por favor, yeah. Café, mm. get, get that energy going. Let's go. Exactly. Man, and I, I prepared it like five minutes ago, and I'm like, no, no, no. I want to have it on camera with Roberto. It's oh, Café con Roberto. Thank I you. Have I mean, come on, Café. I've been up since six o'clock in the morning, man, and this is the first, this is the first café that I get. Well, you know, us Latinos, we're going to have to have cafe when we get up. We know we're going to have to have one at 10 and one at 3 and maybe one at, at 8 o'clock because we don't eat dinner until 10. <laughs> so that is absolutely my case in, 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 in terms of dinner and food consumption. I'm still running like a full-on Latino um, schedule. <laughs> Coffee-wise, though, my wife, she's caffeinated all the time, but I, 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 I have it reduced to two or three. A day. And this is what I always say. It's like, man, I'm only having like two cafe, two coffees top, three coffees tops a day. I need them to count. Like I need them to be very good. So the cafe question is, are you traditional, you know, black cafe, uh, you know, very strong, you know, like the cafecito, or are you kind of a little bit watered down with, I call it Americano cafe? No, no, no. Man, I love this country. I love so many things about America. Coffee's not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I still, you know, my grandmother used to give me Bustelo uh, when I was a kid with a little bit of mantequilla, which is, oh. you know, and, and she would say, I would have a cough, and she would say, okay, un poquito de café con mantequilla, here you go, and then that was the cure. For everything, right? Yeah, for everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, that and Vicks. <laughs> when, my, when my kids get hungry, I'm like, you know what I used to have for breakfast? I used to have, you know, and there's, there's such abundance in the U.S. So they, they, they keep complaining because since we moved here, uh, it's funny. I used to come here in the 80s. And I'll get to the origin story in a second. But I used to come here in the 80s. My, uh -huh. my, my mom is from Puerto Rico. Uh -huh. He has family in, in Florida. Uh, so I used to come and I was always amazed by the huge amount of like, things, the abundance, like the options. You, you went to the cereal aisle in the supermarket and it was... Uh, Fruit Loops, Captain Crunchy, Cinnamon, Apple, like, like it was Amazing. hundreds of flavors and I loved it. Like I could come and I couldn't have enough. Yeah. Uh, then you'd go to Spain in the 80s 
and then it was like you had Kellogg's Frosties, <laughs> and, and the other big cornflakes. Like that, that was basically it. So for me, the abundance here was amazing. But then we moved here, and what I found is, oh, if you're gonna live here, you cannot have that full-on diet. So I'm very, I'm back to the basics, man. I'm back to the very basics right. of. I mean, that goes back to everything. I know that goes back to the Hispanic heritage. I mean, in Goa, we didn't have anything. So we didn't even have cereal and you had to wait in line for milk and bread. That's a whole different story. And then when kind of Goa broke out, uh, you and I kind of lived around the same path. Some of my family moved back to Spain because from my grandfather huh. back they're they're from Barcelona, Mallorca. And they moved back to the Canary Islands, which in Spain, every, everybody knows all the Cubans live in the Canary Islands. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then in the 80s, when the Mario boat lift broke again, we had some relatives come to Miami and some of them said, nah, we're going to we're gonna go to the Canary Islands. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Good call, man. Good oh. call. I, I, I love Miami, but I think it's going to be underwater, unfortunately. <laughs> Oh my God! Look, my, my brother has a house there. He lived there for eight years. Yes, I see that a lot. I absolutely love that city, but I think and this is unfortunate. I'm a I'm a par, I'm a par, paranoid Latino. Like yeah. I I think we're sitting the world and climate change is, is is you know it's it's terrible and where we can see especially a lot of Latinos live near the coast and islands, right? So uh, so we kind of feel it right away. So tell me a little bit about. How did Salta with us come about? Sorry, do you mind if I answer the first question first? Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you the, the origin story that got with my Spanish bones in here. Okay. And then I tell you about Salta, is that fine? Okay. And then you can, and then you yeah, can. Yeah, 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 it's wide open, conversation. Let me, and let me tell you, I, I am, I'm always, I keep, I keep telling my American friends, listen, I'm from a high context culture. We don't know these, these esta mierda de long story short. Oh, I'm, like, short, sir, I'm, I'm always like, short story long, Yeah. let me tell you. Okay. So, high context. No, I, I'll try to keep it brief, but what, by the way, how is the sound coming? No, the sound is good. I mean, it's amazing. Normally, I would just, uh, we would be in my studio and you and I can see each other, but nowadays, you know, it's, we'll use the technology that's in front of us. Man, this is much better, this is much better than nothing, but if, if, if I have a, a mic that I can connect, if that helps. No, you look, you sound great. Keep going. Okay. Then let me go. So listen, what happened is in 2000, so first of all, I've always, as I said, I've come to the U.S. often. My mom is from Puerto Rico. I always traveled to Puerto Rico when I was a kid, like at times twice every year. My dad worked in airlines. It was very uh, inexpensive for us to fly. We always had a home. Uh, so I'd go a lot to Puerto Rico uh, from Spain. And then every so often I would also be shipped for a summer to this, this cousin of my mom's house. He's a doctor. He makes, you know, a doctor in the U.S. in, in, in Florida, not in Miami. They would pick me up in Miami. They live in Punta Gorda, Florida, which is, now I understand. But, but, cheap, by the way, Miami is another country, so it's okay. Exactly. <laughs> I kept telling him when my, when my brother lived in Miami, I, I kept telling him, Listen, when are, when are you moving to the U.S.? Yeah, when are you exactly. finally coming to the, to the United States of America? My, my dad and brother won't leave Miami. <laughs> of course. I mean, why could you? It has, it has the best of both worlds, I think. It does. It, it, it absolutely does. The colorfulness of the Caribbean and then, and then kind of the, the U.S. system and you can do business and you can speak Spanish and you can speak English. It's absolutely amazing. Amazing. Um, the only thing is it's not... It's not, it's in the way of too many hurricanes right now. And, and it's not really a hurricane. <laughs> but I, I would go, I would spend the summer with these um, uh, family, my mom's family. They, they, sorry, Alexa. Alexa is always listening. Alexa is always listening. And now that we change the time, she's, she's going to tell me twice that from the calendar. Roberto oh, Gomez is committing. So that's how I sound with Alexa. All right, I heard Roberto <laughs> Gomez. Very good. Oh shit! And I, now he said Alexa, and she's like, "I haven't traveled understanding you." <laughs> you this cunt. Alexa she doesn't like my accent. The this Alexa debuts in the podcast. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what Amazon needed. I'm yes. Selling more Alexas, a little bit of advertising to sell a few more Alexas. <laughs> anyway, man. So I used to come. I'll be brief. I, I used to come. I always loved it here. Uh, I, I love the Fruit Loops. I love the cereal. I love the abundance of everything. 
but I always had a sense that a there was a ton of opportunity. It, it was just I, I was you know a young adult, a teenager, uh, but I could see like people could make a living. B I I always loved the outcome, like optimism, the 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 mentality that people had in America right. is so different to the mentality that people have in in Europe or in Spain at least. And anyway, so that happened. My wife and I traveled to we were novios, we were not girlfriend. We traveled to the UK to get our English a little bit better when we finished college and we started advertising both of us. Uh, and then we came back to Spain and, and you know, life was good. I, I, I started working in a big advertising agency. Mm-hmm. I progressed in, in eight or nine years. I was a creative director, but uh, I always, through that time, I always felt like, what if, what if we had moved to the U.S.? How could our life be different? Mm-hmm. And I, I always had this sense of adventure that, that I wanted to leave somewhere else. And around the time when we had our second kid, like a, a year later, the crisis came, 2008. It came right. crashing. Uh, obviously, advertising is one of the first things that companies caught from the budget. And yeah. we just had the opportunity. We were like, what, what do we have to lose? I was let go. I, I got a good severance, you know, severance package. We kind of knew at the time that the crisis was going to be was going to be long, and it was in Spain. You know, things. Right. <laughs> we were starting to see the light now, and then COVID hit again. So I came to the U.S. Uh, you know, we gathered a little bit of money. I prepared my portfolio. I prepared a nice looking website. I have a very good friend from my childhood that lived here in D.C. Um, and I just spent a summer reaching out to Latino agencies, agencies working for, you know, to, to, talking to the U.S. Hispanic Latino market. Right. Every time, everybody told me it was, it's a tough market right now. Uh, but then eventually I, you know, I, I, I kind of created a couple of good connections and I, I felt optimistic enough that I could make it. Funny enough, I made it here. I had dinner with this group of friends friends of my friend uh, and, and they were like no man the job market is so bad right now is that we're we, unemployment is at eight percent i'm like that that's like full employment in spain what are you talking about <laughs> wow eight percent like that's awesome i don't even speak english but i think i can make it awesome yes <laughs> so I love the, the optimistic view of immigrants right because we look at things a little bit different right we look at like fresh start uh, 8%. So what we'll, we'll go work, you know, as a janitor, we'll do whatever it takes to make things happen for our family. And, and that's just that energy that I always love with my grandfather was taught in me, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, if you have to start over, you start over, you know, go ahead. Absolutely true, man. And I, I, it's funny because I always say that I had, look, I had the greatest opportunity. Like my mom is Puerto Rican. I have the nationality, all right? I had it back then. So in a way, it was kind of, you know, it was a big jump. That's why the, my, our agency is called Salta with us. It's Salta is jumping in Spanish and, and we felt like this is a big jump for us. And anybody hiring me or my wife is gonna have to jump with, with us in this adventure because it's, it's, it, it, it was so out there. But it's true that, so in many ways I'm not, I feel, I feel uncomfortable sometimes when I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a, I have this immigrant. I have, a, you know, I have the mentality, but definitely there are so many immigrants that I admire so much that have such an incredible backstory. Like they had to work during their visa period and, and you know, knock on good, that it was going to be all right. Like, and demonstrate during that time that, that they had what it took. Like, but the good thing is, A, if you, if you want to work, this country is always going to give you the opportunity the counter to that is you've got to be willing to do what you need to do. And yeah, I found I'm, that is so true. It's always tell you have to do twice as hard to get the same respect. I mean, exactly. you just have to. No, and, and in a way, but you know what? And sometimes I feel like oh, that's so unfair. And, you know, it took me a while to, to serve. So anyway, forward a little bit. It took me a while to get used to, to actually a, a corporate America. It's very different from, from, you know, from corporate Spain, I guess. Uh, 
and in a way I, I felt like shit you you have to do a lot but also let me tell the story and I'll, I'll i'll go back there fast forward came here i had a couple of connections and i was super lucky to finally after a month and a half i landed a job at discovery channel which happened to be in the dc area where i had already a friend he's the godfather of one of my kids very good friend so nice. i made it i made it here creative director of the international group i I, you know, I, right on. Um, and it's funny what, what you're saying and, and how you have to get used to this country. I used to work in big advertising agencies in Spain. That means, you know, they have over 100 employees. Right. When I get to Discovery, I go into uh, orientation day. And there's this lady or this woman, that's, you know, it's a group of 10, 15 people doing orientation. And we're, they're walking us around the building and... Like I'm, I'm really like literally overwhelmed. Like I look like a like a kid in in Disney. I'm like, de verdad, qué, qué coño es esto? Who did I, who did I fool to get this job? Like oh, it, 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 it's hard to believe. Beautiful headquarter. I, like I think at the time it was like three thousand people, and I'm walking with this lady. My English was even worse than now, and she's like, um, no, you know, I'm used to. No, this is, she didn't say this is a step down, but she was like, yeah, no, I, I, this is not very big for me. I'm used to big companies. Que coño? What is this? What is this if not a big company? No, I come from Mar Marriott. We're 70,000 people in the world. Wow. But um, anyway, so getting used to that, like coming from a big agency that is 100 people, like big, being 100 people to, to a big, to an American corporation, that was a big leap and getting used to that was also uh, a little bit of a shock but one thing that i loved along the way is back to your point of having to work hard do it for like for a month not, no not for a month for for three months i had something that i think is very is very true in, in people from spain i don't think everybody from latin america has this so it took me three months to be working at discovery channel until i realized like no these are very good people doing what they do meaning when there's money they're technically very good but as create as a creative actually if i brought four or five people from the teams i've been working in spain we'll be ruling this place like the i i guess i'm trying to say there's a passion that comes with the way we work and a creativity that's, that is very embedded. And I think it comes from your coffee with your grandmother. Like, what are you going to have for breakfast? Coffee with mantequilla. Yep. That's it. Man, necessity. Necessity is such a driver. And, and when you get to the land of abundance, from the land of necessity, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's I get over my complex of inferiority. This is going to be awesome. No, it's crazy because... I think that sometimes you need to have nothing to appreciate anything. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I saw all, well, you know, my, my, my grandparents, you know, they raised me, uh, you know, they were born in the 1900s in Cuba, right? Uh, wow. So their parents were from uh, Spain. And I mean, my, my legacy is their parents were from Spain, Morocco, and Italy, right? So I have this mixed European culture coming in, my grandparents were the first ones born in Havana in the 1900s. And we know how that was, you know, with the yeah. American war and all that kind of stuff. And now they said, that's it. I'm done. I'm, I'm lifting. Castro came in, screwed everything up. And we have a satchel. We have a little kid. We're heading to the U.S. Uh, and, and just walking in and, and seeing a grocery store, like you were saying, it's like, oh my God. No line. And it could be Serranos in Miami, right? Uh, you know, really cool Latino grocery store. Yeah, yeah. Or it could be back then A&P in Atlanta where I grew up in Decatur. And then, and then you learn how to live minimal. And then as you progress, you never forget. That's, that's the, I think that's so key. And I don't know if it, I'm, I'm super happy to hear you say that because my wife and I, we, all, we, all, we often wonder, do, 
is this something that every immigrant retains? Like kind of the taste in the back of the mouth from the old country? Yes. Because that's, that's another thing. Like, you know, when we came here, it was pure necessity. What, what I would say like a little bit of, we were very concerned about how things were going to play out in, in the crisis in, 20, in, in 09 back in Spain. Oh, true. But one thing that I haven't forgotten, and I, we've been here for 11 years, and we haven't forgotten yet is another thing that we really wanted to break out from, which is the long nights in the fucking agency. Oh, God. Every night, like pyjama night. And now we have a pitch, and then we have to be, and like, that's how, in a way, I always felt like, man, I, I feel very Spanish, but at the same time, I don't belong here. Like, this to me, and, and it's not like I was doing it for, for a few months, and then I felt like this is weird. It's, I've been doing it for years. There was definitely a cool component when I was younger and before I had kids. So I was staying in the agency until, until late and working right. on campaigns and all that. But over time, I felt like, hey, there's no longevity in this industry in Spain. Like, it's so demanding that nobody's over 40 here. B, I have kids. Like, I, I tell this joke that I never saw my kids naked for a long time because I never got to bat them. Like, yeah. I, was, I was 30 and we had a full-time nanny at home helping with that. And I've never forgotten that. Like, now with COVID, we're having, you know, we're being forced to work longer hours. I distinctly remember, and I'm always grateful, it gives you a sense of appreciation that I think not everybody has. And I think it's a, and we try to actually install it in the kit uh, because it's, it's innate. It's you, you've lived the other country and now you're just more but that's, You know, our industry, the advertising industry, there was an article, um, uh, I think it was written in LinkedIn about advertising people, you know, having heart attacks and dying at work. Uh, that's wrong. You know, that, that, that is wrong. We're not doing rocket scientists. What we're doing is cool, but doesn't shift the world. And we need to be able to take a deep breath and enjoy the balance of life. And, you know, I hate that what happened with COVID, but if you see that little light and that little light is, it forced us to sit back and say what's important and yeah. reconnect not only with our spouses, our kids, our community, our network. And I think that this year, uh, what's going on in the world is a call a transition year. It's the opportunity to either do one path of change and move forward or get deeper into the rabbit hole. Uh, and, and that includes, I mean, not only our industry, but all, we can just talk about our industry. I think our industry is starting to say, wake up and change itself. Uh, you had a post on LinkedIn to talk about diversity and the creatives. And, and, and that's something that you and I face, whether you're working for a general market agency and you're a Latina within that, or you're working with a specialized agency that does you know, diversity work, or you're working with an in-house creative team, and you're the only Hispanic in the room, which yep. usually that's been me, where I'm the only Hispanic in the room. I've been there too, man, yeah. And, and literally, uh, I remember a scenario where somebody said, hey, we're going to use this diverse market uh, uh, and, and penetrate that. And I'm sitting there as a junior guy and say, you and you get picked. And I'm like, okay. Uh, why did You're I because I'm the only one that knows how to speak three languages and looks like them <laughs> in a way there's a lot of wrong with that but then it also opens up the opportunity to make things right it does it does and and, and actually I, I've been in those rooms and I must say man sometimes I feel a little bit guilty in the sense that I think there's so much to do that, that could benefit not only the Latino community, but actually the U.S. as a whole. I think, and I, I man, it, it's weird. It, it's sometimes weird for me because I look very white. If I, if I keep my mouth sound, which is very hard for me, so. Oh, I know that. That, 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 doesn't, that, that doesn't happen. But, I, but you know, I'm fairly white. I, I wear a t-shirt. I look very American. And people would treat me as American, and then I open my mouth, and 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 so, not all the time, but sometimes things change. In this region, often change for a, for better. Like people are very, genuinely curious about where you come from and all of those things. 
Yeah, I saw that. Working in D.C., uh, I'm going to tell you, uh, growing up in the South, working in the South, even running and being a partner in an agency in the South, when I had the opportunity to move to Washington, D.C. For, and, uh, for, and work there for five years, one of the things that I found very interesting in working in the northern part of the country is people were genuine, like, where are you from? What are you doing? You know, let me give your opinion. You know, they kind of opened up a little bit more. And that came to the philosophy is, I believe that because when you're creative, what's the first thing? You even put it on your post. Strategy and ideation, right? You got to start with that, right? You don't just don't come up with something. And I truly believe if you can put all different types of creative in the room of all countries and all colors and, and just have a pure thought ideation, you're going to come out with better quality than uh, just having been, a bunch of sane people in the room trying to figure out what the customer wants to buy. I mean, it, it, it's, it's just natural. It's, it's, it's not only that, man, and I, it's funny because, hey, being there, only, only Latino in a room, uh, best meet, like, you know, best people, like super kind people, open to anything, but, but hey, like I'm, I'm thinking about discovery. Amazingly open people. I, I don't know why it never happened. However, I, I become the first Latino the first guy with an accent in, in a whole, in a pretty large team. And what do you do? Naturally, you, you start bringing different voices. I never noticed. It's like, a, I was like a, like a fish swimming, not noticing the water. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's what you do. What you, you bring people, okay, no, I'm going to bring somebody. But what you just said makes more sense. Like, it, it's taken me, because I'm a little bit, soy poco tonto, slower. No, but it took me, Took me six years, around six years, to understand one of the great things of this country is that despite of all the problems with race and around race and minorities, at least you have the diversity. And the diversity makes such a, such a huge difference in a, when you're brainstorming in a room. Two reasons. One, different backgrounds are going to bring you different mentalities and different experiences. B, you're not going to miss a large, a large portion of your audience. And, and you know, this is true with Latinos. It's, to me, particularly true with, with, with Black people. Mm -hmm. They have a different sensibility because they have an absolutely different experience. And I think Latinos have a... Both cases are true, but, but it's, it's, I think... I mean, you have to look wrong. I mean, no, it's a different perspective. I'm, I consider myself Afro-Latino. Uh, mm -hmm. my, 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 dad, uh, my dad's mom... Um, was was uh, black. Um, she came from um, Africa and Morocco and all that. And what I love, and I, I got to tell you, I get more excited being in a room where I see so many colors and accents, and 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 coming up with ideas that not just hits one, but hits multiple audiences right it is very it's uh, and i won't i'm gonna make it simple it's very easy to say i have the demographics is a caucasian uh mid 40s that live in suburbia let's come up with an idea so they can buy the product you still got to go through ideation but when you start saying all right the demographic is three million people and you have black Hispanic, Pan-Asian, Asian, Caucasian, with multiple socioeconomic conditions in suburban plus city, and you have this one service or product that has to penetrate all that, now try to idealize it. Try to put together the ideas. Try to put together the... When you, it's harder, but it's amazing, and, and it's so fantastic. And I think... I think our industry is understanding that. I start seeing posts. So I see a few agencies just post because they want to post. And, and we'll see a proof in the pudding, you know? What you say is what you do. Yeah. But then I truly see a lot of agencies starting to do it. They're starting to highlight 
the 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 great staff that they have. I you know I always told a general I, like I was meeting with a general market agency and I said you already have the talent in in here, you know. I see the the Latino creatives. I see the Afro creatives. I see the the Asian creatives. You already got it here, but instead of developing silos, start bringing everyone in to ideate. Yeah. And, and put strategies together. You already have it. You know, I, I, I'm like you, Alfonso. You know, when I, I went to the the art, I went to the Atlanta Art Institute and I was the only Hispanic um, from 1980. I went there in 87 um, through 88, 89. And then there was a few Hispanic that went in, a few African-American, but we were always the minority uh, of doing that creative uh, uh, having a creative career, right? Um, and then we always had to kind of, once we graduated, kind of fit in that mold because there really wasn't a lot of Latino agencies in Atlanta uh, or, or there wasn't a lot of ethnic agencies in Atlanta. You kind of had to fit in where you needed to. And, and unfortunately, some of us kind of like blend in and become wallpaper. That, that can't happen to you. Yeah, I can. But, you know, but I remember my grand, my grandmother always said, be whoever you want it to be. And don't let anybody push you. If your grandfather came here with a suitcase, no money, no language, no job, no home. What advantage do you have? Yeah, man, it's amazing that that she had the sensibility. Yeah. And the perception and could and could tell you that. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, re, it's, it's funny, it's real. And that, that's back to raising kids like I, I have so many expectations not expectations from my kids it's funny man it's funny no, not expectations in terms of listen son you need to become a doctor but like your grandma <laughs> expectations of remember where you come from remember who you are and and now act accordingly and don't don't like fall in the system take the advantages that it offers but don't, don't forget, I, as soon as I landed here, I spent, I did a couple of interviews in New York, and then I spent like a month with another friend in Houston. He had been living there for five years, and, and very quickly, you know, having conversations, uh, we came up with this idea that, that was, man, if you can live in the U.S., like, or move to the U.S., but live like a European, like an European, like, like, from the old country, like from Spain or from Puerto Rico, from the or from Latin America, that's the secret. Because then you don't. Your expectation is not that you're going to receive all of those things. Your expectation is that you have to work hard, and then everything is a everything is extra. And I think that's a great that's a great mentality. So the question would be, you know, and we're I'm very passionate by nature. Um, I live in a biracial family. My wife is from Thailand, so we call it Span Asian. <laughs> um, and uh, so but are creative how do you take as an artist do you consider yourself a latino creative artist or just a passionate artist or you forget the label you know how do you how do how do you what i'm trying to say is how do you consider yourself i it's, it's funny you ask man because i consider myself definitely a creative um but it's funny, like you're you're multi-talented. You you play drums, you yeah. paint, you 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 do this. My, my wife, she's also a creative in advertising, but she's multi-talented. She loves the like interior design. She loves architecture. She loves. I'm I'm a creative in advertising. I'm a fucking beast. Like that's what I that's what I that's what I do. I'm not even the best creative. I just happen to. I think be a good leader of people, a good creative director. I'm good at identifying ideas. I have no ego when it comes to like when I see a good when I smell a good idea, I know it's good and I'm 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 absolutely willing to to put all the force of the all the force of the agency, all the mighty power of the smallest agency <laughs> in the world. But but you know what I mean? Like the whole team works to towards to that goal, and I think that's key for a creative director. So I'm a solid enough creative director, but it's, I mean, I, I'm a solid creative director. I'm a, I'm a very good creative director. I'm a, I'm a solid creative in advertising. I'm a very solid ad director. 
but I don't think I'm too artistic. Like when the kids came to me, let's draw. I, I can doodle, like I'm good at doodle, doodling. And, and that's how I, my parents identified that I could probably, I could fit in, in advertising. Um, but if they came, that let's draw these, let's paint for whatever. I, I could always be like, okay, what are we doing here? Who's the, <laughs> what is the demo? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, oh, what is the budget here? And oh, then advertise the doodle. <laughs> advertise the doodle. So um, um, I think I'm a creative in advertising first, and then I never consider myself uh, an, a, a Latino creative in advertising because I come from a country that is basically boring when it comes to when it comes to diversity. So now I appreciate it a hundred thousand percent more. But in Spain, we're all white, we're all Christian, we all speak Spanish with no accent, and we're all kind of middle aged. Like, oh, well, uh, hold on. You speak Spanish with an accent to the Cubans. <laughs> That's, true. That's very true. Because I actually, I actually speak Spanish with an accent for Spanish from other regions of Spain. Yes, because when I go to Barcelona or Madrid, I would say Barcelona, and then they look at me and I say, "No, it's Barcelona." Yeah. And I was like, "Thank you." Siempre, siempre, siempre tocando las narices, tío. No, siempre, siempre breaking balls. La patria de España tiene que ser es el español primero. In Cuba, we just went ahead and butcherized it. <laughs> <laughs> As you can always tell a Cuban in the room, right? We're kind of yeah, like, yeah. you know, we, 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 we have a thousand chiste, which is jokes. Yeah. You know, and I, I was going to say exactly that. You're kind of more fun. You're, you're from Latin America. I think Cubans are, man so fun to hang out with and that's another thing i, I now consider myself a, a creative in advertising first uh i don't know if a latino creative but definitely a creative that really cannot understand uh, creativity without diversity in a country like ours just so perfect that's the way i consider myself i consider myself you know a media executive that happens to be latino and embraces that too but I don't pigeon myself in anything. I can walk into any scenario, strategize, look at the world. I might look at the world in a bigger picture because of our culture and our background, right? Yeah. But I'm still, I always say it's 80-20. 80-20 in advertising, you have to understand the principles of, of, of strategy, of understanding you know, how to ideate, how to understanding the creative and how to position it understanding the data for the audience that you're yeah. trying to approach. That's 80% of anything, no matter where you're at. And then that little 20% is that cultural nuance that you grew up with, that you kind of want to add like that flavor and sabor that, that, that someone else might not have in the room or the other perspective. I, I mm -hmm. think it's an advantage. It's no, it's a hundred percent an advantage. And I will say more. And, and I'm even, I'm, I even kind of, I mostly agree with the proportion. I just think the magic often is when the 20% becomes the 30. Oh, Meaning, yeah. and, and I mean this in, in, in this way, I think, this is what I think about advertising in the US and, you know, the US is the first advertising power in the world. Como decimos en español, as we say in Spanish, uh -huh. and this, this, I hope you edit this out because it's, it's been very Madrillian and, and very Robert. Con buena polla. Okay, hold on. I'm bringing my ear in. What is it? Con buena polla, bien se folla. Oh, con buena polla, bien se folla. <laughs> With a good dick, you fuck better. Which is <laughs> please, please edit that out. But listen, this is a country of 300 plus million people. Obviously, you're gonna have a, a in the funnel. You're gonna have creative people there, and I think there are two or three agencies that 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 do work that is absolutely amazing, and that's how the U.S. is the first, you know, advertising power in the world. Now, when you go to tier two, like what what in any other country would be like strong agencies, that's where it gets a little bit. That's what I think where you see the 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 real what is really happening in the creative world and actually what happens when you don't have diversity, but you have money. Right. I think the way, I think audacity is key when you're doing creative, but I think necessity is also super important. 
And in that 20, that can become 30%. If you throw audacity and necessity, a lack of budget, and then not a lack of budget for this project, like lack of budget all the time. Like all the time, you need to be over pitching, over performing, over creating in order to get to somewhere decent. I think you, I don't know. I, I just look at the advertising, man, and so much advertising coming from Spain and from Europe in general is so elegant. It's so full of magic. It's just a guy talking to camera, but, but the story is just captivating. Or I'm, I'm thinking about this Audi, Audi uh, commercial that could have never, I think it could have, could have never been produced here. And it's like 15 years old or whatever in Spain, but it's an old Audi with the door open in you know in whatever beautiful obviously beautifully sought and did very dramatic um with the door open and it could be a steal like they, they saw it on video because hey while we're here why not but right. it's super simple and then the voiceover talks about the god i'm going to have forgotten the syndrome it's, uh, it's not stockholm it's um i'll find it it's the but it was produced. Is the Stendhal It talks about the Stendhal syndrome. The Stendhal syndrome is something that is, is a true story. It's something that happened to a guy called Stendrum, Stendhal. He walked into the Maria dei Fiori in, in Florence, in the cathedral, and he just had to run away because it was so beautiful that he got wow. overwhelmed. So they just shooting ten Audis, Audi cars with the door open, left in the middle of nowhere. And they talk about the Stendhal syndrome and how he walked into a beautiful environment and he had to leave. And they're putting it in the context of a car. That commercial was shot with, I don't want to say no money, but very limited resources. No explosion, no fucking zombies, no chase. Like, is the anti-super commercial. I cry every time I see it. Why is that? People who, who put it together, maybe they're Argentinian, maybe they're from Spain, whatever, they just have a different sensibility. They have to pitch things in a budget. They have to be creative. And it's not, not you cannot default to funny. Sometimes you're gonna have to, to talk to a brand that in, in Europe is, is, is perceived as very tough. That's how you do it. And there are so many great examples. But you know what? It, it, that's an example. One thing I learned from a, a very good mentor of mine, actually, he's going to be on the podcast, Dan Vargas, one of the original madmen, uh, Hispanic madmen. He's uh, uh, what I call Eurekan, you know, he's Puerto Rican and, and grew up in New York. Is the we learned in, in Hispanic marketing or any diversity market, we have to do more with less. Yep. We're not going to have the general market budget. But the expectation of the return on marketing investment is just as high. So we have to do a lot more with less. And so we have to sit back and say things like the Audi commercial, low budget, extreme impact. Yeah. And we get used to that. So, you know, compared to like most agencies have this huge budget, uh, you know, a million dollar budget and, uh, and then, we say, okay, I want you to re reproduce that, but do it in Latino for $100,000 versus a million. And you're like going, what? But you have to do it. But the, the good thing, I think it's an advantage with, when you don't even know. It's funny. Again, I'm going to say it again for, for people in the back. I'm, I'm, I'm not very smart in a traditional way. Uh, so it took me time, a lot of time to figure out what was happening at Discovery when, when I first landed here you know, big American corporation, I was overwhelmed by the amount of people, the talent really, like the, the product, the, the advertising that those people did in the internal agency was great. But again, con buena polla, bien se folla, they had, they, had, they had a big budget, everything was a big production. Concept, conceptual thinking, sometimes was there, sometimes it wasn't, sometimes it was the explosion. It took me like, two years to figure out that the, the things I was producing, I was producing them for a team in Latin America. Like I worked a lot with the Latin American uh, um, market and the U.S. Hispanic market. Discovery Channel had for one campaign the same budget that the guy managing Discovery Latin America had for the whole region for, uh, for six months. So it was like, wow. Fuck. 
at the same tough. time, the counter to that is I didn't know I didn't know what the limitations I didn't know what they expect. I, I wasn't very clear on the on the limitations. So the internal agency at Discovery was a monster of creating print work, banners, and things of that nature because I didn't know that was the expectation. I, in every idea that my team pitched, we would include a TV promo, and nobody said no. And they asked for a campaign. We would do the what are the deliverables again? Over delivering, deliverables are print banner this and that you know what let's throw let, let's throw uh let's throw a commercial i i remember my team telling me we don't we we never do that and i was like well we're here we're brainstorming we we have the idea why, why are we not gonna do it like like and then sure enough third time i did it first of all nobody said anything it, it, it was not like anybody got mad because we were doing it third time we did it we got we got to go to poland to shoot a commercial, a commercial for the launch of TLC in Poland, which was amazing. Oh, that was amazing. For me at the time, was like, this is what we do, right? Like, this is, but... Uh, what do you think, so what do you think, you know, uh, and, and where is our industry heading? Um, you know, what do you think about where our industry is heading when it comes to really grasping a diverse audience? I don't know. I wish I was. Are we just talk to talk? Are we really looking deep at our at our at our agency and our studios and saying, you know, we need to make that shift. We need to make that change. We need to make better decisions. Are we just following our own kind of pill? I, I, I have just advertise it. Man, I have such mixed feelings. Yeah. In a way, I feel we're walking in the right direction because I think once the, once the sensibility is brought up to the light, legislation follows and eventually, you know, it kind of, it kind of changes. And one thing that I love about this country is that actually things can change. There are smart people willing to, to make sure that things change. So in a way I'm like optimistic. In another way, I think we're, this is also a very, Mm, cynic, cynical? I don't know if cynical is the best word, but it's a society where people want to, you know how I feel now that we're, we're in the Olympics of wokeness. Like right. I have people like trying to be more woke than, yeah. than the next guy. And it's like, this is not really authentic, dude. Like this is, <laughs> stop, stop it. Please you know, stop. like we're becoming, we're becoming a little bit too, take it from the, take, take it from the guy with an accent. Like you, this is really close. So, uh, I think legislation will force, like the Oscars are, are, I guess, a good example. Like now, if I think it's 2024, if you want to, to be a best movie, you need to have a diverse team producing the movie. Now, when you look at the fine print, it can be that the guys doing the wiring are 20% Latino, and that qualifies. So the intention, the intention is kind of there, and I think it will surface. Like, I, I think... Companies are going through up, and I'm seeing it in agencies. I have friends in, in agencies here that, you know, but this is such a bubble, but it's a very liberal bubble. And suddenly everybody was like bleeding through their eyes in, in the agency because we don't have diversity. We are offending the one black guy in the, you know what I mean? Like suddenly yeah. they were all caring about the black, the, the one black guy or the, why didn't you, why don't you care more? And they don't care because they don't see and you okay. don't perceive it. I, I don't think it's malice. It's just, they, they don't perceive yeah, it. I, I don't think they see it. And, um, but it always starts at the leadership, right? Exactly. I always tell people that, you know, we can do so much, the art directors, the copywriters, but it starts at the top, right? And at the top makes it a honorable mission to really look at their team, their organization, and look at their clients and their audience and builds a plan that aggressively phase by phase gets to a really good point, then I'm good with it. Um, what I'm not good with is when people take onto social media and say, we're doing this, we're doing that. Look at our team, we're doing that. Look at our awards. And I'm like, first, I don't care about your awards. Uh, second, 
you know, let's see what you're actually doing. You know, are you getting involved with the community? Are you getting involved with um, pro-education when it comes to Latinos who want to be artists, you know, are you, or, or people of color who want to be artists? You know, are, are you engaging, not just saying? You know, a lot of people like to say things. Uh, here's an article that came out on Forbes. It talks about, um, you know, a group of, uh, of companies they want to advertise to people of color, but then they hire a hundred percent general market agency to do that. That's what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, yeah, what are you doing? Or they say, no, I hired this general market agency because they had two people of color there. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not saying they might not, they might do a good job, but what I'm saying is what you're saying and what you're doing don't match. Yeah, I hope that we start matching what we say and do uh, as ad people. And also, non-color related, we need to stop working 20 hours a week. I, we're dying of our heart attacks. We're dying at 40, you know, I, at 50. What's, what's up? Listen, but that's, that's so, so I think you said several things, and I, I, I think I agree with everything. First, you're right. People at the top. If you're a, if you're a, you know, if 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 the three owners of the company are white dudes, then it's it's hard for them to see to even see. Like again, it's not malice. It's just no, it's not hard for you to see. Uh, how do you fix that? Client clients are super important, and I must say that last year we were. I mean, we weren't lucky. We I guess we. Fuck, we were not lucky. We were good. We presented good work, and we were awarded a couple of projects with the local government in here. The client is super diverse. One of the things that they told us is, you cannot imagine what a refreshing team you guys are, because it's you, the, the guy with the thick Spanish accent. There's an African American uh, copywriter. There's an African African South African. We have to work with an strategist who's from South Africa. Like. Awesome. You guys are such a diverse team. All I get here usually are the same six agencies, white ladies from Bethesda. Now we would say Karen's probably, and they get all the contracts. And, and you guys just have good ideas, good strategy. And on top of that, uh, your creativity blew us off and, and, and you're diverse. And I'm like, yeah, one thing. You know, I was like, first of all, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. One thing, the, the very creative thing, kind of happens because of the other, the very diverse team. Yes. That, that diversity, man, it's like, a, it's like a stray dog versus a pure race dog. Like the, the stray dog is more, you know, he, he knows the street, he's street-wise. So I think clients are also important. Clients that appreciate the diversity, clients that appreciate that in our case, we're working for a, you're working for a county that has 1 million people, 20% Latino, 20% black, wow. 4% Asian. And now, how are you going to talk to that population? It's a minority, it's, it's a, it's a minority majority uh, population. You need to have diverse voices creating the, creating the, the communications. You, you can't, wow. I mean, you can, you can do it with white people, but you're leaving out so many, so many people. So anyway, I think, unfortunately, uh, police brutality happened. I hope there's a good outcome in the sense that it's so brutal that society is waking up. Is society waking up the perfect way? Uh, a, you know, in any case, I think society is reacting. Things will be messy for a while, but hopefully a year from now, at the end of the day, there will be more black people in leadership positions in companies. There will be more Latinos in, in positions of leadership in, in companies. One thing that I think happens to Latinos, by the way, and I'll, I'll be short with this, I was at a panel with Adweek a few weeks ago. It was amazing to see. It was like 16, 16 people, 16 speakers. All of them heads of marketing, of course, Burger King, uh, the guys from Brazil and his multi-award, he's brilliant. Mm -hmm. But it, you, you look at it and you're like, huh, turns out in Google, the head of this and then I see it's Latino. The, uh, like in, in so many IBM, Coca-Cola, the Jordan, 
brand, like so many Latinos. And one thing they were, they were kind of saying, same thing as you're saying, what, what does it take, what will it take for Latino voices to be heard? And in a way I felt like, you know what, it might take longer. And I think it's very important. The good thing is that what it's not going to take is us being sought in the street by the police. Like there's no a black, there's no Black Lives Matter movement for Latinos. Right. Because, you know, unheard as we could be, put in a corner sometimes as we could be, invisible as we are sometimes. The thing that hurts me the most, we get slapped the wrong labels. All of that happens. But at least there's not, there's no need for a Latino Lives Matter. My whole philosophy is in order to mix the ingredients, you have to shake it, right? Because yeah. you can have multiple ingredients, but unless you shake it, it doesn't become a recipe. And, and, and we need to shake. Right now we're shaking it, right? And uh, that's very important because we can't just stand still. We need to shake it. And we need to shake it in our industry. We need to shake it in multiple industries. I think I'm fortunate and blessed to come back to the South and live in Atlanta. And Atlanta is, as you know, is an amazing culture pot for African-American community. Uh, Hispanic community is growing here. Uh, uh, the Asian community is amazing. And I kind of live in both, you know, me being an Afro-Latino and my wife being Asian. I kind of see all these perspectives and I have the blessing of being involved in certain communities and, and incubators around town. Um, there needs period change has to happen. Cannot move forward the way it is. We have to change. We're shaking it. So with that, you know, not to keep you too long on the podcast, let's go into and let's wrap it up with where do you think Alfonso or Salta with us is going in 21? Because we've already said F U 20, right? So, <laughs> so so going in, we only have, blows my mind, three and a half months left to finish this year. But going into 21, where do you see yourself, your company, uh, you know, your environment? What do you see? I mean, what, what, what kind of vision do you see you want to uh, reach? Man, it's, 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 this is the best and the worst time to ask me that question. Oh. I'll tell you why. COVID. The, the 2020, fuck 2020, as you said. Yeah, exactly. It, the, the first half of 2020 has been hard on Salta. To the point that I was thinking, shoot, I could make good money working for somebody else. Why, why am I insisting on, 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 on having a company? I'm very agnostic and I'm very practical. And I'm, I'm the opposite of a pure breed entrepreneur. Like we started Salta because we saw a good opportunity, different things. Um, but the 2020 saved us a lot. What is happening lately is that, and I lost a little bit of hope. I'm, I'm, I've, I've been, one thing that I've done is I've, I've entered a diet of news because the news were driving me nuts. Absolutely. Just knock and that out. Don't, don't, don't I, get that noise in your brain. I think you need, yeah, man, you need to have, and we talked about this a little bit the other day, how I've, I started listening to more podcasts that, that have not to do with politics. I still listen to, these are my 45 minutes of news, uh, Rising. It's a program on the hill. The guy from the right, guy from the left is a, is a pit of uh, infinite sorrow because it's true that they give you the news. And, but I've caught a little bit of that. So I'm a little bit more optimistic. Um, and what has happened when, when I've gotten into a better rhythm is that actually I'm finding opportunity, even working from home. Because one thing that happened is we, 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 we were in a super nice office in Silver Spring. Everybody had to go home. Salta actually started here. This is my basement. I have the logo because we started here six years ago. And you know when, when we hired the first designer, we renovated the basement and we needed it to look like an office. So I'm back here. I'm super happy. I think COVID actually has given me an opportunity to go back to step, not zero, but one. I have, you know, we have a few clients that, that, are, that want to do good work. And what I'm finding is that companies, before I had to explain always, like when we landed in PR, the guy wanted to come to the office. 
to see, like I showed him the work, this and that, and, and the VP of marketing was like, no, let me go to the office and I'll give you the brief. I'm like, listen, you can come to the office, but it's my basement. And that was like, oh, sh I think I could hear his, his, I could see him on, we were on video, on video call, I could see his brain being like, shit. And I already, <laughs> I already told them that I'm gonna give them the work. So what I'm trying to say is that now with COVID is giving me an opportunity to feel very unapologetical about what we do as an agency. We've done the work remotely before that has brought us, brought us here. Um, we've demonstrated that we, you know, you can do great creative work, great brand work from your basement. So I'm very hopeful and, and what I'm, I'm actually, I'm about to launch a little campaign for DC uh, in Facebook and LinkedIn, uh, trying to accelerate the number of, uh, you know, basically accelerate business. Right. But the truth is even, even things slowed down for a little bit. And as soon as I kind of got into the mentality that come on, Alfonso, this is going to go for a long time. And I started looking more and more clients started coming. So I think that what is that? Sorry, because I'm getting away. <laughs> ah, again, I'm, I'm getting uh, short story long. I think 2020, the end of 2020, is going to be a great opportunity to do creative work in a very lean way. Uh, and I think that's going to bring us business in 2021 um, that is going to be great. We need the U.S. to lead the world in a different way. If not, any move we make is going to have to, to consider very seriously, where is this town going to be in 10 years? Is it going to be underwater? Is it going to be in the middle of a desert? Yeah, I think that our society needs to stop wasting things because it used to be we go 100%, 100 miles an hour. We don't care. Uh, we need to step back. We need to start caring about, you know, what we're leaving behind. Uh, uh, you know, as a parent, you immediately start thinking about, you know, what are you leaving the legacy, your kids? At the end of the day, no matter how rich you are, we all, we're all going to go in this nice little hole in the ground. Yeah. And you know what I found out in life? The number one thing that's important is not the riches you leave behind, but what legacy are you leaving behind? And uh, to me, I found that out with my grandfather. You know, he, when he passed away, it wasn't that he was rich. When he passed away, 500 people showed up at his funeral. Uh -huh. And I learned about the legacy. Uh, I didn't even know he was a minister at the Atlanta State Penitentiary for so long. I knew he volunteered, but I didn't know that. Uh, and he decided to be a minister there because of the Mario boat lift in the 80s with the Cubans were being unjust and they were shipping him to Atlanta to be in prison with no date of when they're going to release him or no strategy, nothing. And people that shouldn't even be in prison. So he stepped up as a, as a Latino leader and said, well, I'm going to minister these people and help them out with immigration and so forth. So. You know, uh, and if, if I look at things at the long run is I think I'm very optimistic um, and being through a lot of crap in my life, uh, coming from one country to the other, I'm extremely optimistic. So I'm going to leave it with this. And I always like to ask my guests one thing is you, what kind of advice would you give um, Alfonso at 20 years old or young creatives at 20 years old who just opened their eyes and they're about to enter into this crazy ad man world. What advice, what's that one advice you would give them? So let me say two things that, that hopefully will give you a better end and you can edit the, the super negative crap. First, <laughs> man, I love you for the optimism and I love you for the, I love you with a, with a certain degree of healthy envy because A, you're optimistic to, you know, to the infinity and beyond, B, you care about the community and find ways to engage. And I, that's something that I like to do more. And other than always looking at diversity and hiring diverse, it's, 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 it's anyway, I, I love what you do and I love how you, and you, you've done that for me since the beginning. Like beginning I, I remember our first meeting where you brought me to that restaurant in DC with a secret door and I'm like. <laughs> oh, this oh is, the secret agent is called Sidewalk. The, yeah. The Latino man, Latino man of mystery. So, man, thank you for doing that, and 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 thank you for the optimism. I yeah. I need it, and I wish we could hang out more. I've always wished that, man. That, that AAF, the the 
you know, that it had brought the opportunity to, to hang out more. Um, that's very necessary. Second, what I would, I would tell, this is what I would tell any creative from any, from any nationality, from any background. This is what I would tell any creative that wants to, to work in advertising. Two or three things. One, uh, live in a different country. Try to learn a different language and live in a different country. That's I think there's example. nothing, or man, nothing like exploring the world is gonna is gonna do more. At the end, you create with what you have. It's exactly what you said about the kitchen. You need to mix the ingredients, and that's what creativity is about. the The movie you watched last last, last night, that show that you saw in Poland four years ago, that something hit. Like the more input you have the better a better the better creative you will be period so travel two if you want to be a if you want to be an art director be the kind of art director that knows how to read and write like don't don't just unless you're no just don't don't <laughs> read and write work with a work work with words too be conceptual and if you're a copywriter be the copywriter who has a sensibility for design. You know what I mean? Like be the one who can tell if, if that font is right or wrong, have an opinion. I think you cannot live in silos that are so specific. I think, I think as a creative, you need to be a little bit more broad and educated. That is such great advice. Uh, I love it. You know, it used to be years ago where the copywriters were in one corner uh, creative was in another corner. Media uh, was in another corner. It doesn't work anymore. I love, you know, everyone needs to know a little bit about each other to make things happen. So with that, Alfonso Salta with us. Thank you so much, my friend. Um, we Next time we're going to do this, we need to do it in person once this world, you know, crazy epidemic goes away. Um, all I can wish is the best for you, your familia. Um, and you always will be a friend of mine. Um, and call me anytime, my friend. Gracias, amigo. Gracias, amigo. Gracias, amigo. And you know I do that. Whenever, whenever I, whenever I, whenever I need anything, whether it is a uh, hey, who do we know here or there, or I just need a dosis of optimism, I'll reach out. And I want to, I want to end this with something that that really hit my heart deeply that you did. You should be aware of this. Um, you uh, sent a, a post, you wrote a post and you sent it to me uh, about a year or so ago when you were at the Ad Awards and you gave a toast uh, uh, with uh, say, you know, we're giving this to, I know you're not here, but we're toasting you because we miss you. So, so thank you so much, my friend. That really hit hard. Uh, hit my heart. So that I do appreciate. Bien. Un abrazo enorme, tío. Un abrazo. Mucho gusto.